Father, we love you, Lord. God, we need you, and we need your grace, Lord. The things that we need to receive this morning, except you help us, we'll not be able to receive them. Lord, help us to be biblicists this morning. Lord, help us to take your word by faith. Lord, we want to live what your word declares should be true over our lives, and so God, we need, we need your help. God, I pray that you'd take the weakness of my flesh and set it aside, and God, let your word just reign over our lives. Father, the, 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 the reality that you want for us to have the peace that passes all understanding, you want us to have joy in our relationship uh, with you through Jesus Christ, and Lord, by extension, uh, with one another. Uh, Lord, we want as a church to live in that reality, and so God, we're your people, you're the living God, have your way and be glorified in us, we pray this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, praise the Lord, we're going to talk about poop, but the whole church say poop. Okay, you say, this, is, this sounds like a mess already. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get you straight, we'll get you squared away. Let's review. This is where we were last week, Philippians chapter 3. We saw Paul make just some incredible, fantastic claims about the Christian life. And, and, and what we saw last week is if we can understand our biblical position in Christ, well, that's the key to joyful living. Uh, verse 3 starts out with the word finally. And that's not a tactic to get you to pay attention until he gets done with the letter. It means just everything that follows. Here's the command. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, that is a command. We are to rejoice in the Lord. And we need to be reminded of that. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And then he tells us to beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Dr. Evil is everywhere. So you've got to watch out for him. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilators, the concision. Beware of those that are adding works to grace. Beware of those that are saying, except you're circumcised according to the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Beware of them. Verse 3, he tells you, we are the circumcision, which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We are the circumcision. Now, it's a spiritual circumcision. Uh, he says, we're the circumcision. We worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. We looked at Romans chapter 2 last week and we saw that it's not a circumcision of the flesh, but rather it's a circumcision of the heart in the spirit, Romans 2, 29. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11, we saw it's, a, it's an operation of God, it's made without hands, and it's the, the circumcision of the heart, Colossians 2, 11 says that it's in Christ that we're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So this operation that took place, that was made without hands, it took place the moment that you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You heard the word of God, the gospel of Christ was preached to you and you believed on it. You weren't just praying a prayer so you could go to heaven. You believed on the word of God and you realized Christ, what the word says was true in your life. Christ was your sin bearer and he took everything wrong Everything wrong that you ever did, you ever were, everything wrong you ever thought, all of the sin, the wickedness, he took it to the cross 
He took it out of our lives. He nailed it to his tree. Colossians chapter 2 says, He bore our sin to Calvary. And the wrath of God was poured out over your sin and mine. He suffered God's wrath in our place. He died for our sin. His blood was shed to wash our sin away. He was buried in the grave, and on the third day, he arose again to eternal life. It's by his own power, by the power of God, Christ rose again, and all who, in repentance of their sin, believing on Christ as their sin bearer, all who call on him for mercy, for forgiveness, for salvation, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and life, forgive my sin. Give me eternal life. I repent of my life, my pursuit of sin, and I want Christ. It's the best trade. It's the most amazing trade that a person can ever make in all of eternity. And whenever you did that, what the Bible says is that the word of God is a scalpel. The word of God that you believed on cut you from yourself. Hebrews 4.12 says it's alive. The word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged soul. And it pierced you and it divided you from you. It divided the soulish, the spiritual part of you from the fleshly, the physical part of you. It's dividing, the piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of the marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you and I, we have been circumcised. We have been, you guys all know what a circumcision is, right? Let the whole church say, ouch. Right? Circumcision is the removal of the male foreskin, okay? And uh, if that still doesn't make sense to you, uh, be careful how you Google it. That's just all I'm saying. Okay, so it's the removal of the flesh of the male member, okay? And so you, in your faith, in your believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God circumcised, it cut away the body of this flesh, the body of this sins of the flesh, it cut them away from you, the soulish part of you, the real, the, the, the part of you that makes you you is now separated from the fleshly part of you that you can see, that you can feel, right? This body that has these senses, we're cut from that. And then the Spirit of God seals us, right? It's the Spirit of God himself, the seal of our redemption that cauterizes the womb, it can't, or the wound, it can't grow back, right? It's not going to reattach. You are spiritually cut away from your flesh. And so turn to your neighbor and say, did you know you've been circumcised? And I know it's a lady sitting next to you, but it's true. She's been circumcised if she believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank God for circumcision. And now we're not tied to our flesh. And so we are, this is where we finished up last week. We're the literal fulfillment of John 4, 23. Right, we are now worshipers of God in spirit and in truth. How is that possible when we're walking around the flesh? Well, we have now a dual nature. We have two lives, two natures, two destinies. And understanding this, all of a sudden, a lot of confusing passages in the Bible start making sense. In Romans 7, Paul, you know, it's a very famous passage in Scripture, Romans chapter 7. Paul says, why, oh, why do I do what I do? I mean, why? Tell me, because I don't have a clue. Paul was a rapper. He's like, I got this sinful, right, lusty flesh, and, and the things that I know I should do, I don't do them because the flesh gets its way. And the things that I know I shouldn't be doing, I do them, right? 
and the things I know I should be doing, I, I don't do them because, the, man, who will deliver me from the body, right, the sins of this flesh? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? And then he gives this incredible principle. He says, you know, I thank God, I recognize something. With my body I serve the law of sin, but the inner man, the new man, it's all Christ. It's all Jesus all the time. For me to live is Christ. In my flesh, man, it, that's why I still love sin. The flesh didn't get saved. People get messed up on this. Why do I still love sin? I, I, I know I shouldn't. I should only hate sin and only love God. And so why do, you know, every time somebody falls down, why do I, every time I laugh when somebody falls down, that ain't right, but it's just funny. I mean, why is my flesh so, so messed up? We have two natures, right? The fleshly nature, the old man loves sin, serves itself. Our life in the flesh, that's why we have to say no to our life in the flesh. We have to mortify it. We have to put it to death. The flesh is spirit, it's nature, it's desires, it's destiny. We gotta put that to death. And we gotta say yes to the inner man, the person of Christ in our life for us to live as Christ. And so this is why when you read 1 John, all of a sudden now it makes sense. A lot of people say there are contradictions in 1 John. No, they're not, you just don't know your Bible. In chapters one, two, and five, John's very clear, we're all sinners. Man, there's no way around it. If you say you're not a sinner, you're a liar. But then you get to chapter three and you see that the child of God is unable to sin. Well, how's that make any sense? It absolutely does if you recognize a Christian has two natures. There's the old man, the new man. There's the flesh and there's the spirit. There is the person of the flesh and there is the person of Christ. You have two natures. We all wrestle with a sin nature. In Romans chapter seven, all of that's present tense. Oh, wretched man that I am. Right, I, the things I would not, I do. The things that I should do, I don't. Oh, wretched man that I am. He's recognizing that there is a battle in his flesh. This is why he goes on in chapter eight and he says there's no condemnation. How is there no condemnation? Well, there is condemnation if you walk in the flesh, right? So there's therefore no condemnation to those who walk how? In the spirit, right? If we're gonna walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So that is a daily battle. This is why he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I die daily. Daily he's laying his life down in following the Lord Jesus Christ in service to him. We all fight the flesh. And the day that you're not wrestling against the flesh, the day you're not battling to mortify or put to death its desires, well, that's the day you've given in to sin. Paul says, I die daily. For Colossians 3, 5, he says, mortify therefore your members. What your flesh is, what it wants, that's a fight. So put its desires to death. We all fight the flesh. The flesh does not love God. It doesn't love God's plan for its life. The flesh only loves itself. What I want, how I want it, when I want it, the way I want it. So that's why nothing we do in the flesh can ever please God. I'm gonna go get circumcised and that'll prove I'm a follower of God. No, it won't. Nothing you can do in the flesh will connect you with God, not circumcision, so not how you cut your flesh, not how you cut your hair. If your hair's down over your ears, you're, you're not following the Lord. Look at that hippie, Jesus follower right there. How can he have a walk with God? 
You know, so people give Pastor Briscoe a, a tough time about his man bun. Let me tell you something. There are kids at the Kansas City Art Institute that have heard the gospel from that grungy, hippie-looking outfit. And he lays his heart out there, he lays the word of God out there, and they see somebody that just wants to be with them. Man, come on, how awesome is that? Praise the Lord, I thank God for Pastor Briscoe, and he's fruitful. You know, if, if your skirt doesn't cover your knees, you're a hussy. Well, okay, then go to that church where it's gotta cover the ankles. If it doesn't cover your ankles, then you're a hussy. What? What you do in the flesh can never please God. Not how we look, not by the things that we buy or don't buy, the things that we do or don't do for the cause of Christ. It's by what God has done in us and through us. So we have no confidence physically. No confidence physically. Spiritually, we're the circumcision. Physically, we're nothing. Okay, this is what we gotta get this morning. We have no confidence in the flesh. Spiritually, we can know what God has said, what God has said, what is true, and then we can live our lives accordingly. And Paul now gives the example of his life to show us this principle. Here is a guy who has the perfect heritage. He had been physically circumcised, and here's a photo of Paul's circumcision. (laughs) By the way, okay, so now think about circumcision, what a picture it is of salvation, okay? Uh, This little dude didn't circumcise himself. Spiritually, you can't circumcise yourself. It's the operation of God made without hands. It's the word of God that separates you from yourself at the moment of your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so it's a picture of salvation. You don't perform the operation, it's performed on you. And as a result, there is a loss of life in the flesh. Does everybody see that? Um, you know, now they put a little band around it and eventually, you know, after a few days it just falls off and let the whole church say, ouch. I mean, it's just an uncomfortable thing. So Paul has the perfect heritage, right? He's got the, he's, he's circumcised. He's got the perfect religion, right? He is an Israel, he's a Jew, right? He is a follower of Jehovah. He's been trained, his zeal All are impeccable. And so as we look at these next couple verses, as you read this passage, I want you to notice seven things. There are seven pillars in Paul's religion, and it's very impressive. When you look at, you know, a lot of people, they'll they'll maybe brag about who they are in the flesh. They get a self-inflated, they get an ego about who they are in the flesh. And Paul says, you're, compared to me in the flesh, you're nothing. And here's a guy that could say it and mean it. I mean, he's absolutely stellar. He's impeccable, and he's outstanding in his education and ability. He's somebody with advantages. But watch Paul's estimation of all of that compared to Christ. Paul's word to me and you is this, that whatever advantage you think you have in the flesh, whatever advantage you think you have in this world is of no value at all. As a matter of fact, you can compare it to poop. Look at verse four, though I might have, right? Watch this, verse four. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, you think you're somebody in the flesh? Paul says, I more. You have a reason to trust in your ability in the flesh, who you are in the flesh. You don't compare to me. Isn't that an amazing thing? This is the word of God. 
Right? He's speaking the truth in the spirit of God, in the word of God. Paul was impressive. And so here, is, here it is, verse five. Circumcised the eighth day, exactly according to the word of God. Of the stock of Israel, he's got the right nationality, of the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe dear to the heart of God, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, touching the word of God, a Pharisee. The Bible said it, that settled it for Paul. He was so big on the Bible, he made a bunch of rules to add to the Bible. That's how serious he was about it. So in terms of race, nobody's a bigger deal than Paul. Now today, we live in an age where, where our country is increasingly divided over race. There's, a very, there's very much a focus on race. And I wanna challenge you, brothers and sisters, this morning. Are you a biblicist or are you a racist? Are we biblicists or not? Well, I know what the Bible says, but who I am in the flesh is very important to me. It's a really big deal. Who I am in the flesh, that, 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 that's a big issue in my life. Paul's challenge to you and I is for us to humble ourselves because in the flesh, we are nobody. Nobody. This is why, you know, when the world is crying for us to jump on bandwagons, there's a lot of peer pressure, there are a lot of bandwagons that the mob is demanding that you comply. They're demanding your compliance. And I would just challenge you, before you jump on any bandwagons that the mob in this world is promoting, read their manifestos. Read, read their positions. Find out what the mob is demanding of you before you comply. When you read their manifestos, you find out as a Bible believer, you are despised. They despise you. And they absolutely are not for what you're trying to accomplish in following the Lord Jesus Christ and winning souls and making disciples and training and equipping people to reproduce ministry around the world. Whenever you, whenever you move forward in life, however you move forward in life, be a biblicist. How you act, how you decide, how you live, how you vote, how you move forward in life, let it all be the Bible. Let the word of God direct the steps of your feet. These little kids down in Kidtown, they're theological geniuses. Uh, they, 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 they've got this down so cold, they've got a song. Uh, I keep hinting, we, one of these days, God help us, we're gonna get it upstairs. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. That was weak, even though you knew it was coming. It was good. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just horrible, but it When the little kids do it, the B-I-B-L-E. Bible! I mean, they just shout it out, right? Are we biblicists? Does what the word of God, what it says over our life, is that what we believe about our life? See, my Bible tells me that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, that we are one in Christ. Outside of Christ, okay, if I'm outside of Christ, if Yoni is outside of Christ, you know that the Jewish people, the peculiar people, the nation of Israel, they're special to God. They would look at Gentiles like me and they would call us what? They call us dogs. We're less than human. We are, I mean, it's a, it's a very racist position, isn't it? Uh, and then, you know, the Gentiles, historically, we just love the Jews, haven't we? 
No, we would view the Jewish people as despicable. We would despise them. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 19 in your notes. We need to remember something, verse 11. That ye being in the time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, the Jewish people called us uncircumcised dogs. That's what we were. That at the time, at that, that at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Israel had a place, they had something with God that we did not. We were strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But then Jesus showed up and changed everything. Look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Look at verse 14. For he is our peace who had made both one, both uncircumcised and circumcised, both, both Jew and Gentile. He's made us one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, the, 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 the warring that we had with each other. He, he slayed it thereby and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. Both Jew and Gentile must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to enter into that peace, to become one. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father, now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Galatians 3, 27, 28 says it this way. Once we've been saved, once we've been baptized into Christ, once we've been placed in the person of Christ, we've put on Christ. Look at verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. And it gets even freakier than that. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Jesus Christ. When you get saved, there's only Christ. See, before, Yoni's people would have called my people uncircumcised dogs, right? And our people would have called his people, I mean, all kinds of names. But now in Christ, what do we call each other? Brother. brother. That's my brother, because there's only Christ. This is why the Bible says we know no man after the flesh. See, we are no longer firstly red, brown, yellow, black, and white. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. Of course, we're all precious in his sight, red, brown, yellow, black, and white. But we're no longer firstly red, brown, yellow, black, and white. What we are now firstly is precious in his sight. See, Kenny and I are brothers. I don't know if you know this, but I'm white and Kenny's black. That's who we are in the flesh. You are black and I am white. I don't remember the rest of the song, but we are both very precious in his sight. Ebony and I. Okay. I don't look at Kenny and say, that's my black friend. That's not who he is to me anymore. And Kenny doesn't look at me and say, that's my white friend. No, that's my brother. We're no longer firstly red, brown, yellow, black, and white. Firstly, who we are, what we are is precious in his sight. How many know that's true? How many know that's true? That's who we are now in Jesus Christ. I'm no longer the son of Mike Miles. That's who I am in the flesh. 
The reality is, is I'm a son of God. And if you're in Christ, you're a child of God, and that makes us family forever. Now we have peace because there is one man, and this is why the Bible says we know no man after the flesh. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it goes on to say, we are new creatures in Christ. Our old life is what? Passed away. Behold, what things become new? All things become new. We're children of the living God. This is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it goes on yet to say, this is why we're reconcilers. We don't divide over a race. We're ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors of Christ. So the question on the floor is, are you with God in that or are you with the mob? Are you with the crowd? Choose you this day whom you will serve. You're either a minister of reconciliation or you're going to buy in with the mob and you're going to focus on racism. You say, well, there are racist problems. Yeah, you know the answer? Do you know, you know the way to peace in this world? Do you know his name? The gospel is the answer. You need to know that the crowd is crazy. The mob's always crazy. Whatever the world is shouting, watch out. Read the manifesto. At the beginning of Jesus Christ's Passion Week, what's the mob saying? Hosanna, right? Hosanna in the highest. And they're calling him who? Son of David. They're calling him by his messianic name. They're acknowledging Jesus of Nazareth is the promised Messiah. And then by the end of the week, what's the mob shouting? Crucify him, crucify him. His blood be upon us and upon our children. And if you're working at the Great Passion Play in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, you're doing it like this. Crucify him, crucify him. His blood be upon us and upon our children. You gotta really overact, you know. Be upon us and upon our children. That's just within a matter of a few days, man. The Messiah to murder him. That's the mob. The mob's crazy. The mob doesn't know what it's talking about. They're easily coached. Now, Paul was in the crucify him crowd before Christ. He was very much in the crucify him crowd. Look at verse six. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, the, everything that mattered to me in the flesh, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For, I'm, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I count it all poop. Everything that I was, everything that I accomplished, the, really the excellency, the perfection of who I, who, I, who I am, what I was, what I've accomplished in the flesh, it's poop. Look at verse seven again. See that word but? In verses five and six, four through six, you see who he was in the flesh. You see the pillars of his religion. Verse seven, he says, but I had it, I had it all, but it wasn't enough. That, that is a beautiful but right there. I mean, if you want to look at buts, that's the one. Verse seven, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Man, I had everything, but I recognize that's nothing compared to knowing Christ. And he can count it all dung. Who, Paul says, it's like this. I mean, it's like, you know, if I, if I came in here this morning and I'm just like super proud of what I did this morning, I mean, who brags about what they do on the toilet? 
I mean, really. 13-year-olds. They'll do that sometimes, you know. Very immature people. There's the occasional 13-year-old that will brag about what they did on the point. But if I came in here and I'm like, check it out. This is what I did this morning. Isn't that amazing? I mean, can any of you poop like that? I mean, and I did. What would your, what would your logical reaction be? Uh, we got to get Miles committed to a mental hospital because something is wrong with him. It's time to get the pulpit committee together. We got to find a new pastor. <laughs> I would hope it's time to find another pastor. In other words, this idiot thinks that what he did this morning was awesome. What, a, what do you do? I mean, this guy's got, got poop trophies around his house. He gets some shellacked. He's mounting them on the wall. I mean, he's proud of his bowel movements. What is wrong with this guy? And Paul says, yeah, exactly, that's exactly what it's wrong. That's exactly what it's like. You're proud of who you are and what you've done in the flesh. You're proud of your skin color. You're proud of your ethnicity. You're proud of, you're proud of your education. You're proud of your accomplishments. You're, you're proud of your physique. You're proud of who you are in the flesh. And when you compare that with who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, it's the same thing as being proud of poop. You've got nothing of value before the Lord. Is this making sense? Or do I have to keep describing my poop to you, y'all? You get it, right? Lord help us. Nobody brags about what they can do on the toilet. We know it's worthless. So you can have big religion and still bust hell wide open. You can have great advantages on this earth and still spiritually before God be a pauper. Paul says, my religion is worthless. Look at Galatians 2.16. He says, we're not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even when we believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. Watch this now. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I can't, I can't impress God with who I am and what I do in the flesh. Paul says, my family heritage is, is, is of no help. Right, Who I am in the flesh is it's nothing. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, he says, In Adam, I'll die. All I ever got from my greatest grandfather was the sin nature he passed down to me in his DNA. So what does Paul do? It's loss. Verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. I saw what I was counting on to get me by yesterday and decided that they do not even compare with what I can have in the salvation that I have in Christ Compared to that, all of this is poop. So I counted them lost. Lost means to cast them away. I repented. I repented of who I was and what I'd done in the flesh. I, ca- I counted it lost. I cast it away. All the things I valued, I threw them away at the moment of salvation because that day I put all of my who, right? My, my who was on who Christ was in me. I, I put all my life on who Christ is in my life. That's why, look at Galatians 5.5 5 in your notes. When Paul writes to the church at Galatia, he says, don't try to please God in the power of your flesh. You can only come to God through spiritual means. For though we through the flesh wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision, but faith, which worketh by love. And all that becomes a reality at the moment of your salvation. So you've got to live 
right? The same way you get saved, you gotta live saved. You gotta live it each day in your lives. And so he says, I counted it loss, verse seven. That's past tense. I did that at the moment of salvation. But in verse eight, he's still counting. I count all things, present tense, loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. See, in verse eight, he's still counting. What was true at my salvation is true today. I can't trust the things of my flesh to have a right relationship with God. So you live Christ the same way you came to Christ. You continue the way you started with God, and it's all in the power of his Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter five, verse seven, he says, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. How did you get saved? By grace through faith. How do you live saved? Well, by grace through faith, not by the works of your flesh, the works of righteousness that you do. See, people come to salvation by faith, by the grace of God, by the power of God's spirit, and then they turn around, try to live their lives in the power of their flesh. Isn't the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Lord, excellent enough for you? Why do we insist on, I want Christ, but I also want my life? Why do we do that? Why do we live a Christianity that says, I'm so glad I got you in my life, Lord Jesus. Now sit down, Holy Spirit, shut up. I'm running the show now. And God, I know you'll be impressed with how I run things. This is where we'll pick it up next week. Look at verses nine and 10. And I just ask the worship team to come up and dismiss us in praise and worship. But now watch this with me. Verse nine, he says, I wanna be found in Christ. To be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I want Christ, I want his righteousness, not mine. I wanna know him. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I wanna ask you, what is gain to you? What's, what's a big deal to you? Is it, is it your life as a black or as a white or a Latino or an Asian? Is that a big deal to you? Is it your education, your abilities in the flesh? Is it your physique? What are you looking to satisfy your life tomorrow? Is it your career? Is it your woman, your man? What is it that thing that you're looking for for contentment? And whatever that thing is, that's the thing that's in the way of you enjoying the peace of God. That thing, whatever it is, that's what's distracting you from really knowing Christ, from having an excellent relationship with him. And so here's the question on the floor. Are you willing to count that thing loss? Are you willing to continue to count it loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus your Lord? For that, to live Christ, are you willing to suffer the loss of all things? I wonder this morning, who will cast away the precious things in their life in order to just know Christ, to know the excellency of his knowledge? Who will die to self to see it through? I'd like us to bow our heads and close our eyes and search our hearts right now. And is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, before we go, would you pray for me? Uh, I'm looking to the flesh for my contentment. And I need to count it loss. I need to count who I am and what I have. I need to count that loss. And I need to learn what it means to live Christ. I need to know him. I need to give my life knowing the excellency of his knowledge. Would you please pray for me? Can I see your hands? So some of my sisters here, anybody else? 
Yeah, some of my brothers, okay. Yeah, there's, so, there, so there's several of us. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna ask for God's grace over your life to do that. What you're acknowledging, what you're reckoning, what you're seeing, I'm gonna ask the Lord for his grace for you to count it loss, to equate that to the dung that it is compared to knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is everything. Living Christ is everything. <laughs> but then it's a daily decision, right? Every day what you decide you have to renew. So Father, you see all the hands and you see our need and God, I'm asking that if there is anyone here that does not know you, that Lord, they'd start there, that they'd surrender their life to Christ. But then for those who are believers, I'm asking for your grace that Lord, they're saying, okay, I got things in my life that are in the way of knowing Christ and Lord, help us to not trust in those things. Help us to, to equate them to the value that they actually have before you. Uh, it would be the, the same thing as trying to, 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 to make something uh, impressive out of the dung in our life. Lord, help us to count it lost, to put it away. And then, Lord, daily make the decision to follow you. And so, God, for everyone that said, I, I, need, I need prayer, I need help, God, would you give them grace? Would you open their eyes? Would you open their understanding? Lord, help them to see they need to be on the path of growth. Uh, whatever is in the way of learning, right, getting the excellency of your knowledge, uh, they gotta be willing to lose it. They gotta be willing to put it away and count it lost. And Lord, that's hard sometimes. But Lord, help them to see you're so worth it. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.